Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and I'm back with you today to continue talking about self care strategies in our continued work towards burnout prevention access for as many people as possible. So, listeners to the show know that. This is a podcast format where we share therapy concepts and burnout prevention strategies that the aim is to adapt them into self-care strategies that any person can do at any time. And in fact, on a personal note, when these concepts become contagious, when each and every one of us practice them, and become more sustainable in that way and in fact when we share them with others that personally brings me great joy and hope to know that and i say that especially in these difficult times because listeners to the show you may have noticed that the topics in recent weeks have been about stress management and crisis survival skills and conflict resolution in relationships. And when we think about burnout prevention, it's almost like we need a new word, isn't it? Uh, Burnout at this point or prevention feels, someone uh, said it to me this way on another conversation it feels like a luxury I've heard that a few times before and when I hear that feedback I just remind myself of all the people who don't have the luxury to give up on burnout prevention Uh, even if we do change the language a little bit and think of it more like crisis survival there are times and seasons of life and history that are so painful and difficult that they can feel overwhelming. So that brings me to the topic for today, which is how to use self-care as an act of political resistance and movement building. And when I say it that way, I'm honoring all of the activists who've come before us, such as Audre Lorde, who said something along the lines of uh, self-care is not a selfish act. It is actually an act of self-preservation. And I believe she even said an act of political warfare. So for some communities around the world experiencing marginalization, oppression, overt violence, Sometimes the most radical thing you can do is to survive. And if you are working in allyship with um, such a community, and if you are approaching political movements through an intersectional lens, you are going to include burnout prevention along the way. So in today's topic, I want to remind you that while we're talking about challenging times and difficult moments and 
probably you could replay this podcast at another difficult moment. Um, I want you to keep in mind that we are talking about self-care themes that remain consistent throughout. So the question that I invite you to think about as I share with you my best suggestions is to consider how will you incorporate self-care into your own efforts to resist unjust political policies and acts? How will you incorporate self-care as part of your work? Before we even get into any concrete actions that you can take to buffer and protect your your mental health and protect self-care along the way, I want to share with you some thoughts on why we should even do that in the first place. And you know, in my work as a therapist, I get to uh, eavesdrop on all kinds of coping and hear all kinds of good ideas. And I'm also trained with the understanding of some of the major blockers that get in the way of coping. And one of the most common challenges that I I hear people talk about, and I relate to this on a personal level, is it's hard to even feel like there's time to do self-care. This is a really overwhelming world and news cycle and... Um, It feels like every week we're saying, oh my gosh, what a week it's been. Kind of tired of saying that over and over again. And many people will say to me, it feels selfish actually to spend time thinking about self-care. And so we want to just acknowledge that that is a myth in a lot of cultures. This is actually true cross-culturally. And especially if Uh, You were raised in a a collectivist society, right? That was, you know, you were taught to really consider the needs of those around you. And I don't want anyone to throw away their culture when they think about self-care. I actually want you to incorporate your very own point of view within any culture that you are situated in because your point of view is really valuable. So this is where we're going to borrow language from uh, feminist psychology where uh, we are reminded that there is an important distinction between selfish and self-interested. So we're going to take note of that and include ourselves within burnout prevention and know that really truly if we are going to be sustainable in any political action that we take we actually have to include ourselves in that process so i want to begin with a basic understanding of what happens to us in a stressful situation what happens to our stress response if you think back to basic biology class, you might remember hearing something about fight or flight and that reptilian brain that kicks into overdrive in stressful 
situations and I'm not going to go into the details of the neuroscience behind it because um, I'm not even the best person to do that. What I will do instead is I'm going to uh, drill it down to a most basic understanding which is that in stressful situations we tend to think in black and white terms. Let's think of some examples of that in extremes that those kind of black and white terms could even look like depression, right? Everything is terrible. What's the point? I don't enjoy even my favorite things don't feel good anymore. That's an example of black or white thinking. Stereotypes and judgments come from stress response. And uh, you could talk about tribal thinking here and media messages and riff on that for quite a while. But I think it's pretty intuitive when we think about our own stress response. We do tend to think in black and white and we can even point that inwards. When you think about the inner critic and I should be doing this, I should be doing that, you can really guilt trip yourself or criticize yourself and oftentimes we are speaking to ourselves in language that we have heard somewhere else. So those could be lessons that uh, we learn through the culture or systems of oppression um, and there may be some unlearning that needs to be done there. So just to notice that part of the stress response is black and white thinking and in order to be flexible to stay tuned to what's happening in your surroundings you're going to need to buffer and protect your own mental health, your own attention, your own focus by having periods of rest and restoration so that you can think clearly and respond in a moment of stress. What we know about crisis survival and black and white thinking is it is designed to keep you safe in an emergency situation when you need to get out of danger, call a friend, get support, get to safety. But our bodies are not designed to last in chronic, chronic stress. And I'm speaking from experience of working with folks that have lived in environments with chronic stress and they have had to do the work, the burnout prevention work, to find and sometimes create spaces of safety, even if they're mini micro spaces of safety. That's what we are attempting to do when we bring along these strategies of self-care as a form of political resistance. Okay, now that we have a basic understanding of the stress response and we know that people tend to get stuck in black and white thinking and we're just going to recognize that and have a plan for it, know what it feels like, and here are some suggestions for how to 
do self-care despite that feeling of overwhelm? Number one, big part of burnout prevention is knowing what you like and knowing what you're good at and knowing what you have to offer and finding the sweet spot of sustainability in, in that overlap. So number one on my set of suggestions for self-care and political advocacy is to choose your form of political resistance with self-care in mind. So some people are the protest type and it's feel really passionate about expressing their truth vocally, out loud, in public, and in community. And that is a very practical way to do so. Many other folks are quite the opposite and may actually feel overwhelmed or panicky, especially in large crowds. And it's not uncommon to feel triggered in those kinds of situations. So I really want you to remove any specific expectations that you have about what political advocacy looks like. And I want you to think about what you specifically have to offer. And let's take a moment to do that now when you think about your specific talents and if you were to think of this kind of like, gosh, what is my superpower? What is the thing that I know how to do particularly well? And when I budget my time, when I budget my actual budget, what I can afford to back up in terms of dollars and cents, um, and do consider time as a valuable contribution, think about what you have to offer, what you can actually afford. A good antidote to that guilt sensation that we talked about before is finding alignment in showing up for what you value. So this is that time when you think about what is my what can I what can I do so for me and my practice I think about this all the time and actually this podcast is part of what I can offer uh, when folks tell me how hard it is to pay for therapy services I try to get as much skills coaching as I can in the podcast format so that if folks want to study ahead or they're not even ready to go to counseling at this time but they want to eavesdrop on what they're learning in the process uh, this is something that i enjoy doing and i am committed to doing it as long as i can do it in a sustainable way so um, that's not the only thing i'm doing and i i need to push myself to continue to show up but it's an example of uh, the creativity that we can use when we think about what tools we have to offer and what talents we have. And to think about that sweet spot. What is something that you wouldn't mind doing over and over again and it might even feel good. You might be more likely to do that. And this is something that you can uh, think about with your community and brainstorm with others and research online and find books to help you with. You don't have to be alone in this and you might even find someone who's modeling a really good example of that for you. 
take a moment now to pause the podcast and make a little note to yourself, put a little Google alert in your calendar, pause and reflect, ask yourself, what is that way that I can show up in a realistic way? Now that you have a specific action in mind that you want to stay committed to and hold yourself accountable to, number two, I want you to think about how you can bring self-care with you wherever you go. So I mentioned the protest scenario earlier and how a lot of people actually get triggered in those kinds of situations. Even if you're not showing up to big crowds of people, it's actually easy to get triggered by the painful realities of the world wherever you go. So this can show up in your your social media feed. This can show up even when you go to communities of support and ask for gentle listening. People might bring you their problems and trigger you. So when I counsel people about content warnings and anticipating challenges in the environment, I want you to just know that this stuff can show up in a moment's notice and catch you off guard. So I really recommend that you prepare yourself for how you will practice self-care when unexpected stress arises. Some simple suggestions are slow-paced breathing, simply allowing yourself, you can do it with me now if you want to, to just let go of all distractions for a moment and just simply allow yourself to take three gentle, deep breaths. This is the kind of thing you can do at a moment's notice. Try it with me now if you like, gently breathing in and breathing out slowly. Taking a moment to be unhurried as you breathe in again. Breathe out gently. Leisurely taking the time to give yourself one more full deep breath, breathing in and breathing out. Noticing how I just spontaneously weaved that into our practice. I want you to have a tool that you have access to that you can use at a moment's notice. Something that doesn't require a lot of time or equipment to do would be helpful if it's something that soothes the body's nervous system. So it could be music, could be a picture of a loved one, could be a positive mantra, personal motto, hope for the future a reminder of basic values or reasons to push forward. These are the things I want you to think about ahead of time. They're only suggestions. You know the things that work for you. But in a moment of stress, 
They should be simple enough to fit on a little sticky note, maybe a little one or two or three little self-care suggestions. These are things that you know about already and you could do in a moment of stress. Pause the podcast now as you think about two or three little self-care tools that you can use. And if you don't know the answer to that question, think about how you could find out more. The podcast has some examples of that. Number three, even the most dedicated activist does need to take time to unplug completely from political conversations, political action, contemplation, stress, doubt. This is necessary for you to think clearly, for the brain to function properly. You will need sleep and you will need a break from doing, doing, doing. DBT reminds us. And you will need an opportunity to to just be. This is important to process. This is important to make good decisions. This is important to restoring ourselves. So we all need a break from the constant barrage of bad news that comes with the 24-hour news cycle, social media feed. So I'm asking you now, how will you unplug from screens for intentional periods of time. I'm not talking about avoiding your responsibility to show up in the world and show up for your values, but I am asking you what period of time would be appropriate for you to be either on or offline, and how would you like to use that time on or offline? And what research shows is that people experience reduced suffering when they find a sense of alignment there. They know what's important, they make a decision about it, and then they act on it. So use your consumption of political media in the same way. Stay informed, uh, stay in in tune, stay safe, and also know that we have good evidence that that more time on screen has harmful effects for your mental health. So go ahead and pause the podcast now to set your away settings, set your alerts, set your reminders, set your uh, blackout time on your phone. Take the time to do that now. Number four, find or be a self-care buddy. Make yourself an ally in self-care to friends and receive their support back as a form of mutual support and practice ongoing self-care together. This is something that you you can make contagious and you can 
You can look for movement building in this. You can ask who's interested and see who wants to join you. And together, brainstorm self-care ideas. Set self-care goals together. Sign up for ways to be accountable. Check in with each other to see how your practice is, is going. We all know that accountability is going to be important part of the political process. That's what it should be, really. And self-care requires accountability as well. It's kind of a misnomer, isn't it, to even call it self-care because it's impossible to meet all your needs by yourself. A, a lot of those needs are met in relationship to other people. So I've even done this for myself. I've really enjoyed this practice, actually, is to go out and find a self-care buddy. It's something for free. It's actually different than therapy. Therapy is a different thing where you get you know, strategic, professional feedback, assessment, and coaching. Finding a self-care buddy is something that is sustainable and that you can have throughout the seasons of your life. And it builds intimacy and closeness. So this is something that I highly recommend. And when I've given this suggestion to other people and they've actually gone out and tried it for themselves, a lot of folks have been really surprised by the responses that they've gotten because the invitation was really well received. So I invite you to think of who that person might be in your life that would be receptive to that opportunity. And even if they're too busy or they can't commit, uh, you can continue thinking creatively about how to share that process uh, with someone else. I like the accountability when I record these little tips and suggestions. I, I like the accountability that someone just might listen to it and they might even take my word for it and try it out. And even if they don't like it, they'll let me know about it. So I welcome you into that accountability and I welcome you to pass it along. Go ahead and do that now. Send a text message, send an email, think about who that person would be and make your own plan for accountability. Number five on our list of suggestions for self-care as a form of political advocacy is to create a culture of self-care. It's to participate in a culture of self-care beyond yourself. So we started with the idea of making self-care contagious and accountable by finding a buddy. Well, now is where you think about how to make self-care even more far-reaching in your family, community, and work environments. So as listeners to the podcast know, Therapy for Real Life podcast offers self-care suggestions in the podcast form, but it is also part of a broader network of burnout prevention counseling, at least in the state of California, and workplace workshops to bring universal precautions for burnout prevention on the job. That is how Therapy for Real Life tries to make those ideas contagious. 
But the invitation here is how do we make self-care an intersectional issue? So this means that um, in many ways folks are going to be vulnerable and at risk and more prone to violence or discrimination or oppression. And those risk factors are um, going to interact with protective factors. This um, overlaps with notions that we have in public health and radical feminism and mental health and wellness is intersectional in the very same way. So when you contemplate your self-care, I want you to think of the networks that you have access to and your position within them and notice any power or privileges that you have access to whether it's financial or network or time or chutzpah or caring a lot about it or invested or can't help but not you are going to tap into that network and think about your position within it let's think of some examples of what it means to create a culture of self-care in your family community or work environments so like the last tip suggested finding a self-care buddy can help you stay accountable to your self-care and also create a culture of self-care in that small and impactful way. Creating a culture of self-care means going beyond your immediate bubble to share the benefits of self-care with others. So we're going to use whatever access to privilege that we have to leverage that to create more of something. When we draw on a strength, we can do that and protect ourselves if we need to, if we are if we are vulnerable in that way. But here are some examples that folks have shared with me of how they've created a culture of self-care around them. Sometimes that means not participating in a toxic competition of who can stay up the latest or burning the midnight oil and answering emails the fastest, basically just exhausting yourself beyond the point of functioning. That's not good for anyone and in fact, especially if you're in a position of power, that sets a really unhealthy precedent for those around you. So if we're gonna create a culture in the opposite direction, that means leaving work on time and for perhaps even making a big announcement about it of how, you know what, I would love to help you with that project, um, except I cannot because I have to leave uh, at the time my contract says so that I can pick up my kids on time. You might have to get that specific, right? So this again is gonna depend on what you feel comfortable doing, but some folks have shared with me, I've tried to make the culture of therapy more accessible by, you know, when I schedule an appointment on my open calendar, course we're talking about people that we trust here you want to make sure that it does feel safe but if you have a little bit of safety in your community 
some folks share with me, I just put loud and proud on my calendar, therapy appointment. And I even tell people how great it is. Or uh, fill in the blank self-care activity that really benefits you. You're just gonna kind of humble brag about how useful it is and let other people in on that information. So creating a, self, a culture of self-care could be voting, could be advocacy, it could be sharing information around the family dinner table and having sometimes awkward conversations. This is a movement of making self-care, burnout prevention, mental health and wellness, whatever holistic term you want to use to describe it, it is the act of creating care in your community and expanding that beyond yourself. Take a moment now to think about what resources and strengths you have access to and what it would even look like for you to leverage those resources to create a culture of self-care around you. You don't have to think about grand gestures right now, just what would the very first steps of creating a culture of self-care look like for you? a mindful minute. This is a good point in our self-care checklist to think about strategies to manage overwhelm. We just got done thinking through how to create a culture of self-care, which if you are like me, brings up a little bit of overwhelm, like, oh gosh, there's so much work that needs to be done and only so much time in a day. And even if I do leverage all the opportunities that I have around me, I can get tired. And actually this tells you a little bit about why I specialize in burnout prevention and why I want these concepts to be as accessible as possible because uh, we all have a limit we can burn out and in fact to be sustainable in our work we need to find realistic strategies that we can use along the way so that brings us to number six practice a mindful minute when you don't have time or resources to practice more extended self-care such as especially now if you're still sheltering in place, such as going to an exercise class, dinner date, or going on vacation, you can always schedule even small increments of time during your day when you give yourself permission to just do nothing beyond exist in the world for just one minute. This is what mindfulness practice is. It gives you a chance to connect with the five senses. <clears throat> and if you want to really restore yourself during this time, you can pick and choose where to focus that attention. So for example, I choose to experience beauty as part of my burnout prevention plan. And sometimes that's just letting the sun kind of soak into my skin for a few 
restful moments of unhurried time and part of the skill that I'm using is I'm giving my, myself permission to do this knowing that I have plenty of work that needs to be done. This is part of burnout prevention to give yourself that time and the five senses will help you do that. That is the only way to maintain contact with the present moment so you can observe nature, listen to sounds, tune into bodily sensations, observe thoughts come and go, noticing the urge to participate in them or talk back to these thoughts, but just really practicing that practice of observing or noticing and taking this time, even if it's just one minute to experience your body and live in the present moment sometimes can be experienced as a really restorative action and in terms of self-care this is giving you access to your own life even in really 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 difficult moments just noticing what that experience is like to tap into that experience why don't we do that now as we just take the next minute to observe all of the senses in a brief mindfulness check-in and do go ahead and do this with me pause if you need to whatever you're whatever you're doing at this moment so that you can really practice that mindful awareness like John Kabat-Zinn has said that practice of paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. So you're gonna let go of any judgments right now of what you should be doing and allow yourself to practice the beginner's mind of pausing to do one minute of mindfulness practice. And let's do the simple five, four, three, two, one grounding exercise of awakening the senses. Let's do this together. Awaken the sense of sight as you look around the space where you are right now and simply notice five things that you can see. Look at the colors, the visual textures. Notice compare and contrast. As you look around the space, take the time to notice five things that you can see. Pause the podcast at any point if you need to, just to take the time lingering in this exercise. And when you've done that, let's ground our attention now in number four, in four sounds around you. I'm noticing sounds in the space where I am. And you can even pause the podcast to take a moment and really notice where you are as you pay attention to four sounds around you. Whenever you're ready, move the attention on now to three sensations in the body, whether those sensations are temperature, movement, texture, aching, relaxation, pleasure or not. Just notice what is. 
knowing that you don't have to do anything about it, at least for right now. Continue to soak up the senses now as you take a deep inhale in allowing yourself to notice any scents or smells in the space where you are. Notice any reactions, judgments, preferences about what you notice and continue to notice what is. Lastly, five, four, three, two, one. Notice if you have any taste. Notice if you have any taste in your mouth or cravings, urges, desire to taste something. And practice the art of mindful noticing, noticing. Allow yourself to breathe at a natural pace as you let this moment linger a little longer as you scan all of the sensations of the body, all of the senses. Notice if any gentle words come to describe the state of how you feel right now, whether that's a feelings word, a physical word, a mood, movement. Just notice it and also notice what it feels like for you to give yourself the time to develop this kind of self-awareness. Knowing that you can come back to these kinds of check-ins anytime you want to. That is something that you can give yourself at a moment's notice. Enjoy the lingering effects of those sensations now. Number seven, I want you to keep in mind that you can only do the best that you can do and that you are not perfect. And in fact, in that very same way, you are perfect. And in my experience as a therapist, in my experience as someone who has tried to be involved in community organizing, I have learned along the way that no one can do this work alone and there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of political activism and community organizing and making things fair and equitable and it is easy to get tired and one of the things that we talked about before with the stress response and how easy it is to get stuck is that the inner critic can come out as part of that and it's very easy to just kind of beat yourself up for not doing enough and in terms of a stress response we just want to recognize that while that makes sense to happen to a person any person in the world that's a very human response if you are listening to this podcast it means that you are concerned about what's going on and you want to take care of your mental health as you stay busy and you do the things that matter to you. So I just want you to notice that typical stress response and I want you to keep in mind that you're not perfect and that even when we make our best efforts to organize for policy, 
policy, positive policy changes, even I'm not perfect in saying that, uh, even when, our, when those efforts are not immediately successful, that we are going to keep up our efforts anyways, and that we are only human, and that change does take a very long time. And I hope that you're starting to see the connection now between self-care and the endurance that we all need to continue doing what matters to us. At the end of the day, that's what I mean by burnout prevention. It's to keep showing up for the things and the people that are important to each and every one of us. So that's where we do get to fill in the blank in terms of what does matter. And I hope that you're starting to think about strategies that will help you with that. Even if it's as simple as starting your day with a glass of water or doing something that your auntie or abuela told you was really effective for uh, your self-care and self-preservation. This is where you get to lean on your ancestral wisdom to do the things that are going to push you forward. But you're not perfect and that's okay. That's very much part of the process. So you can take that into consideration. Number eight on the self-care checklist for political action is to get support. For as much as we talk about self-care strategies and relationship strategies on the show, I do want you to consider getting formal support or even informal support. As long as you have the consensual kind of support and resources that you need to stay sustainable. We've talked about before on the show how self-care is a bit of a misnomer because our, our care is really most sustainable when we can get that outside point of view, perspective. So this is where we just keep in mind the difference between self-care and weekly counseling, which for a lot of folks is a wonderful container for a lot of the stress and anxieties they're, they're experiencing as they continue to stay really active in problem solving and making change and staying making an impact with good endurance in mind. So you can consider counseling as part of this. You can also look for support groups or even formal accountability partnerships with your friends like we've talked about before. But after you are done with this podcast, I want you to think about how you're going to carry these actions forward. And if you have a really good plan in place for how you're going to do that by yourself, that's great. And if it seems hard to sustain those efforts going forward, I want you to think about what supports could help you and make it a little bit easier for you. So thank you for listening to the show, for putting in all that emotional labor, just to think about the connection between self-care and political action. I hope I've given you just some ideas to think about and carry forward. But of course, you are welcome to 
reach out to therapyforreallife.com. You will find all kinds of self-care checklists and therapy resources and information there. And you will also find resources in your local community as well. So these concepts are transferable to your local community. So feel free to write into the show to tell me how you're using these strategies. I would love to hear examples that folks are willing to share with the broader Therapy for Real Life podcast community. I've actually been receiving some really inspiring emails already about folks who are using concepts from the show in really creative ways. So if you want to be part of that conversation, feel free to send in a voice memo with your name or anonymous and an example of how you've applied strategies from the show. I think that would be really inspiring actually to be part of that culture of self-care and change and political action that we've been talking about. Thank you for joining me today. Keep in mind, this is not therapy. This is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh-Cedar, and I'm going to log off now so that I can start thinking about these concepts for myself and keep that action going forward. Have a great day. Therapy for Real Life is a Bay Area burnout prevention and relationship counseling center offering in-person therapy in Oakland, San Francisco, and telehealth throughout California. Therapy for Real Life also offers workplace workshops to help your team buffer against the stresses of daily life. Therapy for Real Life is known for the Burnout Prevention Hackathon, which teaches your team self-care strategies that are backed by research to help you interrupt burnout and promote self-care. Now that work has moved primarily to virtual and work from home, Therapy for Real Life has adapted the Burnout Prevention Hackathon for the online community. Get in touch to discuss your interest in stress management, burnout prevention, relationship building, and other self-care workshops, and how to adapt these trainings for your team's needs. Email therapy at annacedar.com or visit therapyforreallife.com and click on the workshop page to learn more. Get in touch to discuss your team's burnout prevention training needs. Thank mm-hmm. you.